0: From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome back, Frosty Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, Tony Peretti. We have a heck of a show lined up for you today. We have some big news coming from one of our own coaches in another league. We have some big news from around our league, big news from around the NFL. And we have Coach Kalen King with us on the Frosty Hotline a little bit later. Uh, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts. You can hear us on Podbean. We're real excited this week. Tony, what do we got on stage for us first?
1: Man, we're on Apple Podcasts now and Podbean. We are getting big time now. Here we are Here we are recording back-to-back days uh, for the first time all, all year. Uh, it feels like we're really getting big time here. I'm excited to get ready to go.
0: You know, thrown out today, recording two days in a row, becoming the content kings, uh, I, I can live with that.
1: Absolutely. It, it's a great place to be for our show. I think, I think there's always some content for us. Um, and even even right now on July 9th, it's kind of the down season for the NFL schedule right now. And, uh, it, you know kind of going into these meetings that we have for these podcasts, and we're trying to figure out how we want to start this show during a down period like this. And today was kind of rough at first. And then uh the fantasy god smiled upon us today.
0: Yes, they um, did.
1: Via new new member of the league, Charlie Thurber. So uh just a little background on this. Uh, Charlie is joining the league and he's taking over Mackenzie Alback's team, uh, finished in last place last season, and I am actually in uh, Charlie's own dynasty league outside of this. It's made up of a bunch of his friends from Tennessee. Um, we don't, we only draft rookies into this league, so it's, it's basically as close to football as you can get. Um, and you know we're coming into this league not knowing a whole lot about Charlie as a fancy football player, but I'll tell you what uh, he pulled off the dynasty trade heist of the season, and in this very young season uh, earlier today, uh, listen to this trade deal he was able to get in in the in this league. Uh, he received back Josh Allen, sophomore quarterback from uh, Buffalo. Uh, had a pretty pretty decent rookie season last year has a lot of promise going into year 2 here. He received a 2020 first round pick and a 2021 second round pick. He gave up to get this haul. Matthew Stafford and Andre Ellington. And that's it.
0: Oh my goodness. So, okay. Okay. So, let me break this down again. So we have Josh Allen for essentially Matthew Stafford, quarterback for quarterback, and then Andre Ellington, who I'll give you a chance to look him up, for a first round pick next year and a second round pick the year after that.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, that's correct. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it come through. It was early in the morning. I kind of thought uh, I'm maybe a little groggy right now, maybe not seeing this correctly. So I had to uh, go put my contacts in, come back, look at it again. And uh, sure enough, those were the terms. Um, kind of disappointed, Derek. I'm, I thought you'd have some Andre Ellington stats up from last season for us. Where are they?
0: Uh, you know what? I looked because I'm not that familiar with Andre Ellington. And it turns out he tied last year – with Le'Veon Bell for zero points in 2018.
1: Well, at least in Levion's case, he was actually on a roster. <laughs> Andre Ellison legitimately has not been on a team since 2017. Uh, Tampa Bay just picked him up this year. He's a Bruce Arians guy. So Arians obviously takes over as head coach there in Tampa brings him on board mainly so that he just has an adult in the room when training camp comes around for those running backs. If if he actually makes the Bucks roster, I'll be astonished. And I, I mean, the, the fact that this comes on the heels of uh, our session yesterday, where we're breaking down Matthew Stafford and all of his averageness, uh, it just the way it just flowed into this podcast is just exceptional.
0: Yeah. So Andre Ellington, one of five running backs in Tampa Bay right now, um, and, and really just nothing before that. I mean, he's just, he's not even mediocre yeah. to give up a first next year and a second, the year after that. I mean, did, was, was this trade in the works for a while or did Charlie just throw this out there and hope for the best?
1: I'm not, this this is a, a Jedi mind trick, really. I mean, this this is Charlie waving his hand in front, saying, "You're gonna give me a basket of assets, and I'm gonna give you nothing in return." Uh, just, just break this down into segments. Just just think about it. If it was just Matthew Stafford for a first and second round pick, I wouldn't do it. Uh, are you
0: kidding <laughs> me? I wouldn't do uh, it.
1: And then you add the Josh Allen element to this as well. Uh, Josh Allen finished right behind Matthew Stafford last year. It's QB 20 and QB 21. And the only reason Allen finished behind him is he played in less games. He was four points behind him in fantasy points. That's it.
0: Right. So essentially from last year, they're the same guy, right? And that's why when I, when I give my spin on it, it's essentially Stafford for Allen and then Ellington for two, uh, first round and a second round pick. It's insane.
1: It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that we're even seeing Andre Ellington in trades of of note anywhere is spectacular. So, really, this is just a, a long winded uh, way of describing uh, what what I'm going towards here. Where I know we mentioned in some of the early pods that Charlie's taken over a rough roster when it's uh, when it comes to this auction season coming up from uh, where Coach Alback squad was. And I know you kind of mentioned that uh, he might he maybe he should be in the toilet bowl discussion. Uh, I'm going to go with not so fast my friend. Uh, dude looks like a magician to me right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and I I sat here in the intro podcast and I I looked at his roster specifically and I'm I'm looking and there's there's nobody on that team that that I would say this guy's a keeper. Uh, and really I was I'm nervous for the guy. I'm nervous because he's going to have to pull everybody out of the draft. He can't rely on some of these guys like like you have Alvin Kamara and, and there's guys all around the league that will will break down. He doesn't have anything like that, so he's got to pull everything out of the draft, and I'll tell you what, if he can do any sort of this magic uh, and as far as trades go, boy, he's going to be in the discussion for a champion, not so much for the toilet bowl.
1: Exactly. I mean, Maybe we're uh, uh, overlooking him in that discussion for for league champion. I know it's early. I know we haven't seen him do any work in an auction setting yet, but it, I think it's pretty clear this isn't his first rodeo when it comes to this stuff.
0: Definitely not. And it will be interesting to see what he does from an auction standpoint. And I'm certainly not ready to call him champion or anything like that. I mean, because he probably won't have many, if any, keepers, we don't know what his roster looks like at all. But, uh, you know, definitely not a rookie. He may be a rookie here, but he's, like you said, this isn't his first rodeo. And uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see what his roster looks like after the, the and his his roster looks like about midseason because I think it's going to be very different. You could tell he's going to be be heavily in on the trade talks. And I mean, if he can if he can polish a turd like Andre Ellington and get him out of there, boy, that's impressive.
1: It definitely is. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do in this league. I think he's going to be a very active member. And I I mean, just isolating away from that, I it, it's ridiculous to me. If you had told me when we started this podcast. A couple of weeks ago that we would have had two in-depth discussions about Matthew Stafford the entire season. I would have told you you were out of your mind. We've had two in the last two days. <laughs> Derek, why do people think Matthew Stafford is good?
0: You know, and I've been wondering that myself, because he's he's painfully average and he should be a guy that you play when when your top Q B is on bye week or you're struggling through a couple injuries he should not be a guy that you rely upon week in and week out. I got stuck in that a couple of years ago myself. And even when he has a, what you could call a good game, it's on a Matthew Stafford level of good game. It's not, he's not going to lead the league ever in quarterback scoring. And what tools does he really have around him? You know, the lions are, are a, a team that, that can win any game, but they can lose any game. They don't want to lock for anything.
1: They've been the same team for almost an entire decade now, almost the entire time Stafford's been there. Uh, I, if if you look if you look at this trade, you know, what what this trade tells you from, from the side of picking up Matthew Stafford is the only way that this is a feasible trade is if you're saying, you know, everybody's sleeping on this guy. He's gonna be an elite quarterback this year, as if it you know, it took 10 years of development to finally get this eleventh year and this is when he's gonna blossom into a star and that's, that's really the only way this trade makes sense from that point of view from from charlie's point of view this is a massive coup this is this is huge
0: oh yeah absolutely even if josh allen you know if he peaks out here at this point, and this was his career season which i don't think it is even still as a rookie he's just as good as stafford so even if he can maintain this level you're going to at least have him longer. I mean, Stafford's got to be on the downside of his career at this point. Uh, I don't know if it ever peaked, but it, it's going to start going down. We're going to find out later what the peak was. Um, you know, but he doesn't really have any targets. Uh, Josh Allen, a young Bills team, they're going to keep building. I don't know what the rest of Charlie's roster looks like. You know, is he going to be relying on Allen week in and week out? Is he more of a backup role? You know, that I don't know. But boy, <laughs> What hell of a trade!
1: Uh, it's, it's it's a trajectory thing, right? Like Josh Allen is trending up, Matthew Stafford is trending down. So now, you know, while they're while they're in the same place in the QB rankings, they're headed in opposite directions. And I kind of I kind of threw out out there yesterday that Stafford last season had his worst season since his rookie year, which I wasn't entirely sure about when I, I mentioned that. That wasn't a, a big highly researched topic that I went through today I actually went and looked, I wasn't far off at all. His best season since his sophomore year. He had a QB rating of 50.9 last year. That was down from around 65 the year before. That's a huge drop off. So may- maybe changing coaching staffs had a little role in that, but as you roll into your 11th season now, I don't, I wouldn't expect it to bounce back up. You know,
0: it's a label that we, we gave quarterbacks, uh, about 10 years ago we called them game managers and we acted like it was the greatest thing in the world this guy's a game manager and then as we start having more i think we were in a in a downturn of quarterbacks at that point you had a couple superstars and the rest were were average but now that we're starting to get again elite quarterbacks and we have been for for the last 5 or so years as the Peyton Manning era has ended and and Tom Brady's on the downturn of his career you're starting to get these younger guys stepping up and now the term game manager really is a guy that, well, you're going to start him, but he's maybe going to take you to the first round of the playoffs. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl unless you have an absolute elite lights out defense, which the Lions don't have. So Matthew Stafford gets this game manager title, and we don't mean it like we did 10 years ago where it's this great thing. Now it's very much a, yeah, he he's okay.
1: As I like to say, he's just good enough to get you fired as a coach, really. He's going to stick you in purgatory for a decade. Uh, he's The team's not going to be bad enough to bottom out and get a, a top-flight quarterback. And they're not going to be good enough to win anything. And you're just going to be paralyzed in fear, stuck in the middle, that you might end up with somebody worse than him. So you're just going to keep paying him. You're just going to keep playing him. And, I mean, you're running out of excuses for the guy, right? I mean, he had the best wide receiver of our generation. He was throwing to for most of his career and Calvin Johnson and still couldn't take him to the playoffs.
0: Nope. He couldn't. No. So, I mean, like I said, I I'm excited for Charlie to be joining the league. You know, he's taken on the worst roster, but if there's a rags to riches story this year, if there's a Cinderella this year, it's going to be Charlie Thurber.
1: Absolutely. I think we got a blue chipper for the league. So uh, I think, I think, like this deal here is just putting everybody in our league on notice that uh, this, this is no slouch coming into the league. He knows what he's doing.
0: All right, Coach. So switching directions into another league story. Uh, breaking news this morning from Pro Football Talk. Our favorite tight end, Rob Gronkowski, was catching passes from Tom Brady. Now, Gronk uh, retired last year at the age of 30, there was a lot of talk about, is he going to stay in retirement? Um, You know, Gronk's saying, he's saying the right stuff. You know, he knows he's going to miss certain parts of it, but overall, you know, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't really want to come back. So Gronk is out in LA uh, for a charity event. And Tom Brady is also out in LA. So, Tom Brady calls up Gronk and says, hey, let's let's play some catch. And of course, the media went nuts. Uh, Now, I will say Gronk is looks good. He's down uh, 18 pounds. So he played at 268. So we assume he's about 250 now. And he, he seems to be on that on that slim down time, not building up for the next season. So, coach, what do you make of this? Is there anything to be made of it?
1: Well, you, you know what they're going for with these stories, you know, uh, have Tom Brady throwing some passes to Rob Gronkowski and people out there in the media and the fans get a hold of it and they they like to overreact to it. So I'll take the bait here. <laughs> Let's overreact to it. Uh, you really think he's done? Because uh, I, th- I think there's a chance he comes back. What if he's just doing the Brett Far thing? Like, I don't want to do training camp. I mean, he was probably playing a little heavy last season anyway, especially for a guy with back issues. You take about 18 pounds off, especially if you come back in a role where Belichick's just going to split him out, flex him out into the slot, rather than having him in line and making him block defensive ends anymore. Um, I don't know. Could you see him coming back and doing that for a little bit?
0: I, I guess here's my thing with it. It's really easy to retire and say I'm done with football in the off season, right? Your day to day life doesn't change that much. He's still working out. He, he yeah, he's lost some weight, but you know he's still still about the same. And then training camp comes, and yeah, training camp. A lot of guys don't like training camp, but then the games come, and that's when the guys miss it, right? When you're suiting up on Sundays. I think, I think he doesn't come back this year. I think he's. He's convinced himself, look, I'm 30. I'm not that old, but I'm old for NFL standards. I still have most of my health. I think he's watching these guys as they get older, running into concussion issues, CTE. You know, you watch these Hall of Fame inductions. You know, a lot of these older guys, they can't even walk across the stage on their own. And I think he has convinced himself he's done. But I think, like Jason Witten, he's going to be sitting there, watching on Sunday night, watching on Monday night. The Patriots are not going to be the same team without him. And it's going to be obvious to everybody, including Gronk, including Gronk's inner circle, including Tom Brady, including Bill Belichick. They're going to call him up. And Gronk's going to get that itch. And I think about... A week or two after the Super Bowl, Gronk's coming back.
1: I guess it's a question of you know, what does what does in-season retirement look like for Gronk? I, I mean, he's going to keep doing the party things on the weekends and everything, but is he going to be in Foxboro every Sunday watching the games? I mean, that's a good way to get the itch to come back pretty quickly. And and if you look at the Patriots roster and you just connect the dots, they didn't really replace him at tight end. They brought in Austin Safarian Jenkins for a little bit. They've already cut him. They, they loaded up at receiver and a little different way than they've been constituted in the past. So, you, you know, like the Patriot way has kind of been to change their approach year to year. But you really think that they're, they're ready to go away from that tight end position entirely. Um, I think there's a lot of merit to think he's coming back this season. I really do. I, I think as the first couple of weeks, I don't think he's coming back immediately. I don't think this is, as I mentioned before, I threw out the Brett Farr idea, but I don't think that's the case here. I don't think he's just going to sit out training camp and come back for week one, uh, Le'Veon style, but I could definitely see him going through the first four or five, six weeks of the season, getting the itch and all of a sudden, Hey, I want to come back for a stretch run. Now I'm fresh. Uh, you know, take a couple more weeks to build up, so you're you're getting back in it around week nine, ten. I'm not sure when exactly their bye week is, but if you come back after the bye, I I just, I just have a hard time believing it. at age thirty that he's done because he just doesn't 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 seem like a guy who really knows what to do with himself out of football. I know he has the WWE stuff that's on the side. I'm not sure how serious that is. And all the other pieces of his life, the party lifestyle and everything, he did that while he was playing anyway. It's not going to be any different than what he's doing now. I think there's a very real chance we see him this year. And I think there is a definite chance he is on one of our rosters after the draft.
0: You know, that brings up a really good point. Do you, at the end of the draft, you're you're starting to get those scraping the bottom of the barrel guys. Do you grab him? He's going to be a dollar. Or... Do you try to grab them ahead of that and pay four or five and hedge your bets?
1: Well, this, this goes right off our discussion from yesterday with the dearth of tight end options that are out there. It probably pays. If you, if you can set aside a roster spot for a a guy with Gronk's talent that you only have to pay a couple bucks for, I mean, he's not going to go for even double digit dollars with his, his status right now. Um, you, you, It's probably worth a stash on the roster just to see uh, if he does come back. I mean, obviously, Le'Veon was much higher value last year, but he was on a roster the entire year. We've seen guys that go on IR in preseason that people put on the roster just uh, in case they want to keep him as a keeper for the entire year. So they're just going to keep him in a dead roster spot for the entire season. So I I think if there's a, a shot that Gronk is coming back, he'll definitely be down there.
0: Big news Frosty podcast listeners, you can now catch the Frosty podcast on Podbean as well as Apple Podcasts. Now back to the rest of the show. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, I could tell you if I was drafting this year, I certainly would would bring him on because you could give 4 or 5 dollars for a guy who might might do something this year. Realistically, he's going to give you less than 10 points a game or you could take the risk, put down that same 4 or $5 on a guy like Gronk, who, if he comes back, goes in that top four that we were talking about yesterday. If he doesn't, you know, uh, you hold on to him for a few weeks. You watch the rumor mill. It you know, looks like he's not coming back, not coming back. You drop him. I think no harm, no foul at that point. Low risk, high reward. Why not?
1: somebody's going to do it. It's going to be a maddening experience for the person who does. Uh, they're they're going to be watching every single week. And as that season creeps on, especially if things start not going well for them, they're going to get antsy with that roster spot, thinking, ah, there's this, there's a couple people out on the waiver wire I really need to pick up. Do I really need to keep Gronk? It's, it's going to be that mind game for whoever does it. But I, I can almost guarantee with where the tight end position is, somebody is going to draft him.
0: Well, and I'd be interested to see if it's somebody like you, Tony, because you have a solid tight end. So let's say you you grab Gronk for for a couple dollars at the end. You have your guy. And now you hold on to him. He doesn't come back, whatever. But he does come back. Now you have a big chip to trade with, either Kittle or Gronk. You would make that call, obviously. Probably going to give up Gronk if Kittle's showing up. But... Because there's only three, maybe four tight ends, like you said uh, last time, we assume a couple more are going to come out, but probably only a couple. You don't have 32 elite tight ends. You don't have 10 elite tight ends. So if you can get Gronk back, any team who's on that playoff bubble is going to be looking for something to turn the tide, and it's Gronk.
1: I wouldn't put it past me. It's definitely been part of my strategy to the draft and stash thing before. And, uh, you know, if everything does pan out there, say I draft him, I already have Kittle. He comes back around week seven, eight. um, I can play two tight ends at that point. I can put one in the flex and you have two guys that are pretty much a bankable 15 points a week right there. So there's a lot of good options that come around. If you can get Gronk, get him for low value, sit on him for, a large part of the season, he comes back and just balls out for you. So, um, not saying I'm going to do it, not saying I'm not going to do it, um, but it has fit my strategy in the past. I'll just say that.
0: That it has. So I'm very curious to see come draft day uh, uh, what he does. So uh, next up on the podcast, after a short break, we're going to look at uh, some other news around our league, some rule changes coming up, and we're going to have Coach Kaelin King in just a little bit. Stick with us. Hey, Frosty Podcast listeners, this is your host, Eric Frost. I'm excited to announce a new podcast from Steel Valley Media, Politics and Brews with Tim Taft. Coach Tim Taft, as you know him from our league, he's going to be hosting a podcast where he's going to talk about politics, he's going to talk about craft beers, give you some history on both, and have a great time doing it. That's Politics and Brews with Tim Taft. So other news around our league, there's been a new rule change as far as trades go. So in the current state prior to this rule, there is the standard ESPN one-day veto policy on trades. So Tony's team and Steve's team, they're going to do this James Conner for Kittle trade. And then the rest of the league has 24 hours to accept the trade or veto the trade. This works all well and good most of the week. However, when you get to, like, a Thursday night game, you make a trade Thursday morning. That trade doesn't go in morning, and therefore you could lose out on that player on a Thursday evening. So it was proposed and voted on and accepted that the one-day veto rule can be overruled with a six-owner vote. So six owners vote that the trade should go through on the Discord app. Then the trade goes through. Our commissioner can push it through. Uh, otherwise, it goes through the 24 hours if there aren't enough votes. And we, we go on like normal. Uh, so Coach Pereny, first, which side of the of the voting did you sit on, if you don't mind telling us? And two, what implications do you think this rule will have for the trades of this league?
1: Uh, I, I went with with this method um give, given the choice of just having a 24-hour veto period with no exceptions and given this one where there's there's a Basically, an opportunity in there to expedite things if enough people agree to it. It just seemed like the right thing to do because even if you don't get enough votes, it's still going to go through that 24-hour period anyway. So this gave a good a good way to kind of get things moving along if you can apply some pressure uh, within. Um, our, our league has been pretty good about being fair with deals in the past. That I haven't really had any where uh, somebody's getting. Um, getting really ripped off in a trade or where there's any really hints of collusion out there. So it hasn't been something that's really been necessary, but I I think this is just brought upon because of the trade that me and Steve embarked on last week, not so much of there being any unfairness with it or anything, but it kind of shined light on the fact that we haven't done a real great job of publicizing our league bylaws um, and our league rules. Uh, And I think it's about time that we probably work to establish set Uh, boundaries and guidelines for those things moving forward so i I think that's kind of taking the step in the right direction as far as you know what impact is this going to have on the league i think it sets a very clear uh precedent and a very clear example of what our procedures are when trades occur
0: yeah and i think this makes sense right in a six vote in a a 10 team league six votes is majority so the trade was going to go through anyways we're just saying hey on a Thursday or, you know, when we get into, uh, you know, if there's a trade made Saturday, Sunday morning, we can push this through. Now, if you're if you're an owner and you're like, no, I, I still want to sit back, you don't have to vote. Right. And if five coaches decide not to vote, that trade waits 24 hours. So there's really no downside here. It, it, it makes sense. Um, so it, it got the majority of the votes to push this this rule through. Um, but with what you were saying earlier about, you know, the the league not really knowing the bylaws, I think you have, you're really hitting the nail on the head there. We have Kalen King, who will be joining us here soon. He he picks up Le'Veon Bell for next to nothing in the free agent market and thinks that he's going to keep him for $5 plus that. Uh, when in reality, he has to keep him for $5 more than Hewlett kept him last year so it doesn't matter what the free agency cost was it's what the draft or keeper draft uh cost was and, and so coach king not not realizing that that's how it went you can see there's a couple guys on his roster that that he was using that same strategy to to get those guys so it's uh it's something that you definitely need to do definitely need to publicize more of what the rules and bylaws are
1: yeah, this is probably something where we've had enough new people come into the league, um, you know, over the years that we probably haven't done a good job. I, I think, I think especially with that rule, with the waiver pickup rule and the the keeper values, I it feels like everybody in the league has come across that issue at some point. I know when we first started doing keepers, I started doing that. Somebody drops a big name guy who was $50 value, I'd pick him up for a buck, thinking I had him. I, I think Tim's done it. Um, I, I think everybody has kind of done that at some point, and then we've had to go back and explain, no, no, no. And, and Steve has had to go go through and kind of explain, you know, it's it's draft value first. If, it, if they're undrafted, then it goes free agent value, uh, regardless, regardless of the cut. So that way you don't have to ride a, a player who's on injured reserve all season long. I mean, if you look back, look back a couple seasons ago, where I lost uh, three of my guys in the first three weeks if I would have had to sit on all three of those guys in injured reserve all season long, that would have ate up three valuable spots on my bench um, with no IR spot that we, that we have. it's um, really not a feasible thing to do. So uh, to have them take on the draft value rather than the free agent value, I think that's kind of a fair way to make sure these players hold their value.
0: So coach, uh, we're going to have coach Kalen King on the frosty hotline next. Uh, we've, We've not given him the credit he thinks he deserves for finishing second in this league, so I think he's going to have a lot to say. Uh, we we got on him last week for his keepers, for his quarterbacks. So Coach King, getting a little uh, getting a little revenge, getting a little defense going here. Uh, I'm excited for it.
1: Should be good. Should be good. I'm, I'm ready to hear what he has to say.
0: welcome back frosty podcast listeners we are incredibly excited for this next guest he finished second in the league we have been crushing him the last two weeks for some of his decision making and he's here today to defend himself to tell us why he's right and we're wrong coach kalen king how you been man
2: sorry guys i I was expecting applause here uh first of all like you list off my accolades and you just you leave me here on a on an island uh I would be doing better if I got the credit that I deserve but uh I'm doing all right how are you fellas thank you for having me
0: we are excited to have you on never a dull moment when coach king joins the show
2: I mean you can show a little more excitement but who am I (laughs)
0: I need to get an applause button now, apparently, uh, when Kalen's on. So that's, that's, that's on me, Coach. I'll make sure next time we have the appropriate amount of applause and excitement when you join the show.
2: Thank you. I just want you to respect success.
0: So, Coach, let's talk about last year. Last year, you come back, you put a lot of money on quarterbacks, and finish in second place. There were some trades going on throughout. Uh, tell us about last year.
2: So last year we just started out with a simple draft strategy. Uh, don't spend $70 on fragile ankles. Um, and we, you know what? We, we mastered that. Uh, we avoided the injury bug. Uh, we invested in Michael Tom's big guy, blue collar guy comes in, works hard every day. Uh, he just puts his head down and he grinds and, you know, he really showed it. Uh, we had a short tenure together, but he really, really produced for the, uh, the free cam stars last year. Uh, beyond that, we uh, we kind of improved uh, with our draft strategy. Uh, we couldn't get some of the top guys that we had on our draft board, so then we had to uh, create a new strategy. And if we people that we couldn't get, uh, we just passed on, and we took people that uh, other teams Weren't gonna and basically a little keep away um, in the form of quarterbacks.
1: So, Kalen, just looking back at last year, now you've had some time to kind of uh, sit back and reflect on on the past season. Is is there anything that you would have done differently that could have put you over the top and beaten Steve?
2: Uh, yeah, in retrospect, um, I mean, every day I, I debate if I should have made that trade of Dalvin Cook for Michael Thomas. Uh, then I look at the last few weeks of Michael Thomas' stat line versus Dalton Cook, and I still feel like I came out on top a little bit there. Um, beyond that, I think the keeper situation to start the year was a little off. Uh, got a little excited on some guys and definitely overpaid, but uh, sometimes that's what you do for good value. Uh, guys that are loyal, that guys that are that are. To produce, you invest in them. They'll invest in
1: you, and that's what we did with the free camp stars. I'll sit right there. We'll, we'll talk about the keepers at some point. That, that part's coming.
0: <laughs> you know, Coach, I, I just want to talk about the quarterback strategy a bit. Um, you spent a lot of money on quarterbacks in the draft. Uh, you drafted, well, let's see here, Aaron Rodgers. You drafted, can or you kept Cam Newton. And you drafted Drew Brees, uh, all for a lot of money. Now we've been, we've been getting on you in this podcast for that, but I'll say on the flip side of that, as a, as a coach from last year's league who ran into a lot of quarterback problems, I was very, very envious of your roster of quarterbacks. You had, so before cam dropped at the very end there to come out as QB 13, you had three of the top 10 quarterbacks for most of the year, uh, and I was struggling to get a guy in the top half of the league. Well, did you get a lot of feedback throughout the league looking for trades and whatnot?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, people in groups, everyone wants to criticize the moves, but behind closed doors, people were definitely calling the three camp stars. Uh, the big thing, like I mentioned, uh, we couldn't get the top guys from our draft board, but so we decided to uh, change things up a bit. Uh, the philosophy of, uh, there are two kinds of people. There are those who stand by and just follow trends, and they're innovators. And during last last year's draft, I was an innovator. I created a new currency. Uh, it was the U.S. quarterback. Um, basically, <laughs> once we start couldn't get the running backs or the wide receivers we wanted, started investing in quarterbacks and uh, commandeered the market, if you will. Uh, so everyone criticized having three quarterbacks on my roster, but then they had quarterbacks that were putting up 16, 17 points a week, and here's me with Drew Brees, Cam Newton, and Aaron Rodgers, and they're averaging 20-plus.
1: So when you drafted those guys, Kalen, um, did you have already have in mind who you would probably be looking to trade of, of the three, or um, did you just kind of take it on – you know, an as-needed basis as the calls came in.
2: Uh, we, I took the quarterbacks with P in mind, but uh, ultimately it was just a leap of faith. Everything happens for a reason, and I'm a big believer in destiny. And it was my destiny to draft those quarterbacks and then trade those quarterbacks.
0: Well said, Coach. Well said. All right, Coach, so switching gears... Something we've been talking about on this podcast since the beginning is this penalty of the ACT. Now, last year, obviously, as the runner-up, this was not your concern uh, at all. But for the second year in a row, we lost the coach rather than that coach suffer the penalty. This this whole idea of the ACT was great when we all thought it was going to be Groover, right? After that 2016 season where he t- starts to become you, you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, coach Pennell leaves, Coach Allback leaves. And so now we're left with this controversy of, is the ACT too harsh of a penalty? Uh, is it just right? And the coaches just didn't want to to suffer the consequences. So, Coach, which side of the fence do you sit on?
2: Uh, I'm, I have more of a balanced, approach, or a balanced thought process. Um, I think different strokes for different folks. Um, I don't think the ACT punishment is too hard but I do understand people that uh, don't want that negative connotation following them for any possible career moves they make later on, Uh, just because as much as we shame the toilet bowl and those who are the losers, um, we don't want to ruin lives. Uh, We want to ruin lives temporarily, but not permanently. Uh, So the thing with that that is I think we, we, I, I'm a believer that we should keep the ACT and have some options uh, for like possibly the season. Uh, possibly for the season. Um, I know that uh, Tony, you mentioned that off, the, uh, off recording before, and that was a great idea. Um, I think just putting some putting some options out there and really getting people to commit to one and holding them to it uh, is our best bet. Um, I believe in. Previous years, uh, last year specifically, I think we discussed maybe doing something like creating a T-shirt and forcing the loser of the toilet bowl to wear that T-shirt for a year and post uh, on social media uh, wearing this T-shirt that says "I suck at fantasy football" and also making that their hashtag. Uh, anything like that to bring some shame to the toilet bowl, but uh, not entirely
1: black i think the ideal thing here yeah we need to make sure it's something that's going to make them sweat uh, throughout the season. I mean, that's that's the part that keeps you playing all year long, keeps the engagement going. I think that's what's really unique about our league is that we have everybody playing till the very end and everybody's fighting for the same guy as on the waiver wire. And it just comes in with the, with the strength of our punishment. So whatever options we come up with, I think it's a really good idea to, to kind of give people options. And if they declare them early, then we kind of know what we can... Uh, you know, make fun of them for as the season goes on, as they start getting closer to that territory. Um, But those options all need to be, you know, equally shameful. Um, Everybody needs to kind of have a a healthy fear of those punishments.
2: Exactly. And I really think we need to, as a league, collectively hold the the Toilet Bowl loser to that. Um, Just The last two seasons, we presented alternative options and Even still, there's been denials, and what kind of league are we? If you can lose, and we just let you walk away or don't face your punishment. If you lose, you deserve the shame.
0: (laughs) Coach King coming in guns blazing. Leaving the league, not enough. We still need the shame. I love it. So, Coach, let's switch gears here to your keepers. Now – Last last time we unveiled our Frosty score for keepers, uh, which looks at the value of which you acquired the keeper compared to ESPN's market value for the player, the total points scored, and the player rank. So you had three keepers last year, Travis Kelsey, Jimmy Graham, and Cam Newton. Now, Travis Kelsey was our seventh highest ranking keeper from last year. You got him for 20 ESPN had him for 32. He scores 295 points. It's the top tight end and gets a frosty score of 62. So I would say I applaud you on that keeper. However, Jimmy Graham comes in at number 15, and Coach Perenni went after him last time, uh, went after you specifically. You kept him for 12. ESPN had him for five. So already. You have it at negative $7 value. Then he only scores 131 points. He's the 12th best tight end and gets a frosty score of negative 12. And I'm not done. Cam Newton, number 20. You kept him for 15. ESPN had him for four. He scores 283 points. He's a top 10 quarterback most of the league, but finishes at 13. You end up You end up sending him to Tony's team who drops him. He gets a Frosty score of negative 40. Now the bottom of the Frosty score is negative 100. So Cam Newton is number 20. There's only two guys lower than Cam. One guy hardly played for the season and the other guy didn't play at all. So what's your reflection on your keepers last year?
2: Last year, the keeper selections were new to me, Um, so I didn't really know what to expect, didn't know how to research it, so I I rewarded loyalty. Uh, We knew that Travis Kelsey was going to be a top guy, and we didn't want to lose him, so we locked him down immediately. Uh, After that, we started looking at the performances of the year, and uh, we had a real turning point as a squad when we went to the Power Eye lineup. Uh, We played... Uh, for the playoffs, we had Travis Kelsey at the tight end position, she Grant the flex. And that that made some noise. Uh, we we got some wins. Uh, we had some hard fought losses, but uh, that was the line uh, formation that worked for us. And uh, I rewarded Jimmy for that. Uh, Cam, we we love Cam. I mean, who are the free Cam stars without Cam Newton? All right. Uh, we had to we had to lock him down. Uh, we had to pay for him. We expected big things out of Cam. Uh, we actually figured he would be a top 10, if not a top 5 quarterback in the league, and we invested in that. Um, sometimes you got to pay a premium for the guys that you want to keep, and that's what we did.
1: So we went in depth on your on your keepers yesterday, and of course we we kind of we kind of blew Jimmy Graham and Cam Newton to bits, and of course all of that isn't on you because I did trade for both of them from you, and uh, they, they both disappointed me greatly.
2: <laughs> hey, so you it's not all, all, all big on big you. Call that's that's what people do with the free Cam stars, but you know what? We keep ticking. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, well, just looking back at that last year, like what. What are you taking from last year's keepers that you can apply to this year's keepers selections? Or if you have you uh, taken any lessons that you might apply to this year, or are you kind of kind of use the same strategy?
2: Uh, another year uh, older, another year wiser. Uh, we've got a different strategy with our keepers. Uh, we're really looking for value. Um, we're looking to maximize production out of what we're spending. Um, we're looking for efficiency. We're looking for high upside guys, and uh, we've got some ideas. And I think we're going to make some noise this year.
0: So, Coach, taking the lessons that you learned from last year, who are you looking to keep this coming year?
2: You know, like I said, we are uh, we're looking at our upside, uh, consistently efficient, um, really maximizing the value that we're putting in. Uh, with that, we've got our eye on three of our. Uh, Top cam stars. Uh, um, Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's a great, great tight end. Uh, arguably the best in the league, especially with Gronk being out. Um, still, I think we should we can keep him for under market value, and we're going to continue to do that.
0: Yeah. So, coach, just to, to uh, fill you I, in there, Travis after, Kelsey, uh, you got him for 20 last year, so he's going to cost you 25 this year. ESPN has him for 39 which is a $14 value. So that's a, that's a great pick.
2: Absolutely. And who knows, with the Tyreek Hill uh, situation playing out, Travis Kelsey might get some more looks. Obviously, Kareem Hunt is gone. Uh, year two, there could be the sophomore slump. So we're looking for uh, Patrick Mahomes, a few more checkdowns, and uh, look to his tight end, Travis Kelsey, who is a reliable re- for him all. Um, um, looking to our the rest of our free cam stars, um, Juju Smith, number two. Um, a cheap, cheap investment, and he's still under market value, and he's now the top dog in Pittsburgh. He's hungry. He spent the offseason going back and forth with Antonio Brown, and, and you know what? He once was the young pup. Now he's the big bull, and we're going to see and we're going to see how that plays out this year. Uh, so Juju, he's staying with the free cam stars. Uh, last and not last, last but not least, uh, this was the toughest of our decisions, um, and this is the pick that truly personifies the true value and efficiency with high upside. Uh, um, obviously, we. Have some great guys on the roster, such as Amari Cooper, Dalvin Cook, Marlon Mack, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, we even have packs to choose from. Once again, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we have Tyler Lock. Uh, Damian Williams is also there for the taking. Uh, but ultimately, I think uh, our last keeper is going to go to Marlon Mack. Uh, we expect big things from him coming out of a healthy offseason. Uh, we invested low. But I think he's going to have some high production with big things expected out of Indianapolis this year.
0: Yeah, and so Mac, you got him for a dollar. ESPN has him going for nineteen, a little over nineteen. Uh, so it's a thirteen plus dollar value. Again, uh, a great a great keeper strategy there. It definitely looks like you're on off to a lot better start than you were with your keeper strategy last year. Uh, so I look forward to sitting here next year talking about all three of your keepers being in the top 10 of our league uh and i think you're well on your way to it
2: Man, we're refusing to let a dynasty happen and we actually want to get back and get some redemption at the top so we're looking we're hungry we're coming for Steve.
1: so just doing some rough mental math in my head i'm leaving around 130 to 140 dollars um for the draft, uh, what's your strategy looking like going into this draft into year three for you? Uh,
2: this year, we're looking to invest in some top running backs. Uh, really, those guys that you can rely on every week to get the 18, 20 plus degrees every week and even finding that you need that for stability on your team for production. Um, we kind of lacked that last year with the free. Or find some balance and consistency. Uh, we were little, little top heavy with.
1: Let me rephrase that, Kalen. Who are you spending eighty dollars on in the draft?
2: <laughs> Tony, that was two years ago, and you know what? Odell was on his way to being the greatest in the league. I was, I was a young pup in this league. I've never done an auction draft. I didn't do any research. I was. I was flying by the seat of my or answer. Uh, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm going to be honest with you. But we, you know what? We learned. You don't spend that much, and we're not going to anymore. Any
1: you know, we like to bust, bust your chops about your draft strategies in, in this, but uh, I, I, I can honestly say going into this draft at year three for you, were, you're the guy that I'm just – I don't know what to expect draft-wise. Um, and that's an advantage for you, I think. Whereas if I look around the league, you know, I have a pretty good idea of of what Tim's going to do, of what Kevin's going to do, because I've seen it happen multiple years at this point. They kind of have a strategy. Um, they might tweak it little by little um, each year, but it, it, the premise of it remains the same. Yours, the past two drafts have been so drastically different. I don't know what to expect in year three. So it kind of keeps me on my toes as somebody else who's drafting. So uh, we like to bust your chops for it. I think there's a lot of merit uh, to kind of having that secrecy going into the draft this year.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing about the free cam stars is uh, you may criticize us, but you will respect us at the end of the day. Uh, for each move that we make, uh, we take some, we take some jokes. And you know what? We take it in stride. We dish it out a little bit. And at the end of the day, people are still envious of some of the players that we bring in. And you know what? That's the same thing we're going to do this year. Uh, we, we're doing a little more research. We've got our draft board set up with some high production guys, with for low value. Um, so we really, <clears throat> we really like to put our heads down and <clears throat> truly just surprise everybody when the season comes and the money's on the line. Uh, so we look to, we had the second place finish last year with a questionable draft strategy and a questionable keeper strategy. Year three, we know exactly what we're doing. We're not overpaying. And we're bringing in the hardest workers in the room. We're going to be the hardest workers in the league.
0: So speaking of questionable draft strategy. Another person who we questioned draft strategy on quite a bit this season is Coach Tyler Kerr. Now, for those of you new to the league, we have two coaches in the Columbus area. Coach Kalen King and Coach Tyler Kerr. So when we talk about regional rivalries, this one cannot be overlooked. Coach King, you have really taken Coach Kerr to the woodshed. Can you comment on this rivalry, what it means to your team, and how good it feels to come out on top?
2: Can we honestly call it a rivalry? That's my first question. I mean, you come out and... He tries to reinvent the wheel, and then I draft three quarterbacks, and what does he do? He tries to draft three kickers. You can't read what works. Nobody came calling for Kai Fairborn or <laughs> any other kicker, like Christopher, Gregory, Joseph, all, like, I don't even know what, who he drafted. He, I think he might have drafted Kevin Hart and Plaxico Burris to kick for him. I don't know. Regardless, three camp stars show up We show out, and you know what? We take it to Tyler Kerr's team every single time because we beat the respect out of them.
1: There you go, Coach King putting Coach Kerr on notice again, saying he owns this rivalry.
2: I own this rivalry. I own Columbus. And I'm mildly offended to even say that we're in the same area because I've been blowing him out of the water.
0: Woo! Gotta love me some smack talk.
1: He may not be a champion of the league, but he can claim King of Columbus right now. That's for sure. Hey, it's in the last name, baby.
0: (laughs) With that coach King, thank you for joining us. It's been our pleasure.
2: It has been an honor to be here with you guys. And I look to be back and I look to have my applause and my deserved respect and credit see you at the top
0: absolutely coach look forward to talking to you again
1: thanks for
2: joining us take care guys
0: all right tony that was kalen king uh he's certainly looking forward to a big season this year and i think you know we talked about steve can cement the dynasty you know I, i think kalen's kalen's real hungry this year Uh, coming from being underappreciated and I I think it's going to show.
1: Yeah. You can tell he's definitely learned a lot from the first two years and he's applying that now. And I mean, just look at the energy he brings uh, to to this interview. I mean, he is ready to go. He is ready to get after Steve and it's exciting to see what he does on draft day.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So catch us next time here on the frosty podcast. We'll have coach Joe Reedy joining us. Uh, He was a new addition to last year. Uh, gave a strong showing and we'll see how he plans to finish up with his sophomore season here in the league with that I'm Derek Frost. He's Tony Perini. We'll catch you next time here on the frosty podcast.